where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. A lot going on in the studio right now. It's Balloon Party, as if you didn't know. Act like you didn't know. Haha. <laughs> you hear my voice. You're very lucky. Matt Rocchio, Jackson Tension. Number one. Number two, I was just asking Matt Rocchio because he said he was catching some hell from the listeners this morning, Jackson, because I guess he botched a trivia question. Been there. Yeah, I know. You can relate. That's relatable for you. Yep. And I said, do you catch a lot of hell? And he goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, especially when I mess something up for Randy. And I said, let me ask you a question, and I'll ask the audience this. Text it in. Who has the highest approval rating of the people on 101 ESPN? And I said, my guess is Randy. And he said, yeah, I think so. And then I said, okay, then who's second? And he goes, probably Jamie Rivers. Yeah, I would say that's... Is that, is, is that you think that's... I would say that's probably accurate. I, I don't, I'm not privy to the text line. I thought, uh, so you don't look at it? Oh, I do, but only from the hours of 10A to 11A. Nice. And uh, I can say definitively that you and I are not the We answer. are not the leaders. No. We are not the leaders. No. No, okay. no, no. So I don't really have a great gauge of the, the scale. Right. But I certainly would think that Randy, someone who's been doing this for 40 He's years. He's a statesman. He is. He is. And just a wonderful human. Uh, I would assume that he would be right up there at the top, if not number one. Jamie Rivers, too. Another great human right up there at the top. Something happened yesterday at approximately, oh, 11.52. We're in the TMA studio. Mm-hmm. Closet. Near a restroom in which you can hear people with strong urine streams yeah. through the walls. I call it ambiance. It is ambiance. And uh, Jackson walks in with Jamie Rivers. Yep. With Jamie Rivers. Yep. And Jamie Rivers, in what I would consider to be a heel turn, but you would consider to be a face turn, comes after me. Yeah. And he says something along the lines of, I need to go to HR for the way I've been treating you on this program. This comes three days after you didn't know what the Monday Night Miracle is. And I'm wondering what this is all about. And my theory is this. Jamie Rivers operates on a, on a higher level of thought. And he feels badly that he knows he edged you out for the Blues color commentator job. Right. Edged is the key word there. And he knows that, hey, let's say he gets a trivia question wrong like Rocchio did this morning. That you're in the on-deck circle. That's right. Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. Yeah. Um, I think that Jamie recognized that 
separately, me and him are strong individually, mm. but together, I mean, we're unstoppable. Wow. So he needs your help. I don't think it's that. I think it's he recognized that, you know, the ceiling will approach much faster if he's all by himself. I mean, he's now the voice of the blues and he's hosting Afternoon Drive on 101 ESPN. What else are you going to be able to help him with? He's parlaying that with a Piddles Union because he knows that the Piddle Patrol, the Piddle Army is out there and they're strong. <laughs> Army. And they're strong. I might to create that t-shirt. Yeah, I'm telling you, the people out there, they listen to me. There's a Piddle Army. Yeah, yeah. People who like to who really agree with my way of thinking. And they understand that they might be in the minority, but they know together all of us are strong. Strength in numbers, Tim. Strength in numbers. So he was forming an alliance with you. Well, I think he recognized that if he didn't, you know, there'd be hell to pay. Oh, wow. Well, all right, there it is. And with this new blues gig, he wants to he? he wants to get all family business done one day, like the end of The Godfather. Before the blues season starts, right. which of course is coming up and tickets went on sale for single games five minutes ago yep get out there get out for real yeah i can't wait to go to some blues games can't wait great. can't wait gonna be another year of great atmospheres love taking my boy and uh looking forward to going to a game yeah, well just sometimes i mean yeah certain, certainly you know saturday night games are great but when you're taking a five-year-old i don't mind those uh thursday night affairs yeah i love it i really do love it so tickets just went on sale uh for the blues st louis blues.com well the next week uh i got some bad news here for everybody jackson is off on wednesday thursday and friday um that means matt rocchio will be in and i don't know is rocchio contractually obligated to do the will Piddles half and half the sports business newsletter in the six shooter because it's sponsored by angry beaver oh, we yeah. got to take care of the sponsors He's very capable of doing so. I don't know if he'll bring the same level of energy right. or, uh, you know, that same majesty that I bring majesty. to it. Majesty. Yeah. But I think that he can, he could add some levity. You know, he's a good guy. So it sounds like you think he'll be fine, but you're not really bullish. That's my read. I have a lot of faith in Matt Rocchio in a ton of different areas. Like, I think he's truly a very, very capable uh, human being with a lot of ambition. So I think he's going to take this role and run with it. Okay. All right. Wow. That was nice. Boy, you are. You're starting, to, you're, starting, you're starting to wear that C on your sweater. Maybe that's why Rivers brought you on board. Just every day is another opportunity to learn and to advance. God. I, I like this. New Piddles. Yeah. New Piddles. Who this? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, what it is is the Friday Six Shooter presented by the Angry Beaver. Hello again, everybody. Pew. Pew pew. I'm kind of surprised by your lead. I peaked at one question. I peaked. You and I are interested. I don't know what the level of interest is, though, from, let's say, the 101 ESPN audience. But then again, and, and this is because it's a Missouri football question, but then again, uh, what would the question be that would have the most interest at this moment in the winter of our sports calendar discontent? Probably question two I have here. Oh, interesting. Um, I didn't see question two, so I don't know what that is. Question two is about Mason Wynn, the Cardinals. Okay. Because outside of that, I mean, what would be like the lead in St. Louis sports today? It would have to be the Cardinals, but I think we both agree it's kind of, we're in lame duck mode at the moment. I would agree with you. So the, it is certainly probably the most pertinent question to the audience, but I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's our lead, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Because we do our own thing. Hey, listen, you know what you are? You're little piddles. 
You've got the sponsorship. Now you've got an alliance with Jamie Rivers. I've got to tread lightly. Yeah, no doubt. And so if you think the lead is uh, Missouri football in South Dakota 13 days from now, then I agree. Yeah, it's certainly what I'm most interested at the moment. Okay, fine. We're coming up on Missouri football in 13 days, How do you do, friends? It's going to be fun to see South Dakota Coyotes come to town on a Thursday evening, right before Labor Day weekend. Yeah, South Dakota, how do you do? Nice. What's up, Coyotes? Scared? You should be. What do you make of the colonel's statement? That um, Gabriel P.D. Armand. Right. That Brady Cook and Sam Horn will play in the opener. And what's your excitement level overall for the Tigers opening up the season? Uh, I like it because uh, I would like to see uh, options at quarterback. And in, in that game, that's most likely, let's hope, a game in which you can get some work in. Yeah. Uh, my excitement level is super high. Now, Non-Missouri fans love watching Missouri fans get their hopes up because vast majority of time it ends with disappointment. And that is amusing. You know what that word is, Jackson? It's a German word. A lot of syllables. Schadenfreude. Very nice. This really is an NPR show. This show belongs on NPR. I've just we'll have decided. to talk way closer to the microphones. Like softer. Basically in our esophagus. Nice. So I am hopeful on Missouri football this year. For two main reasons. Number one. Thank you. Roman numeral one. 18 starters returning. Number two. I guess I'm going to give you three. Fine, I'll give you three. It's Friday. It's the sixth shooter. You're going out of town to Las Vegas, and I think you're going to have a big week. (laughs) That was great. Defense. Defense Tigers, defense. Defense Doggies, defense. Defense Tigers, defense. And offensive coordinator, but more so the defense. Blake Baker, back carry over when Missouri had big years in 2007 and 2013 they had a lot of starters returning I think there's I think there's a reason for that in college football you don't have a lot of that uh, often anyway uh, with the portal and with the great players bolting to the NFL if it is allowed and then finally unlike previous years in which you would have say a, a Georgia or a big name sitting there in the first month where you're going, oh, crap, they're going to get blown off the field. Last year you looked at the schedule, and what was it? It was Georgia, Florida, Auburn, I think, uh, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I think, well, yeah, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, yeah. And I feel like there was an all in the trip to Manhattan. Yeah. Oh, boy. You're going, you know, in a best-case scenario, they win. I mean, like in a best-case scenario, they win two. Yeah. And my overall thing, which I know drives hardcore Missouri fans up the wall, but it matters. If you're a hardcore fan, I think you should be on board with casual fans falling in love with the program as well. It's good for the program. It's good for the program you love. Get out of the damn 11 o'clock time slot. Please. Because if you are 4-1, and 5-1, and one, they're not going to bury you at 11 o'clock unless you're playing some butt-ass. And they're playing plenty of butt-asses in the early portion of the schedule. They do get K-State. But if they can get through that, K-State's ranked 16th in the AP poll. Uh, either way, if they get through the month with only one loss, they're not going to be playing a lot of 11 o'clock games in October. And that allows for people, especially on this side of the state, without an NFL team, without the Cardinals in the playoffs, to turn their attention in part to Missouri football, which is good if you go down there and you have a great experience. If you went down there in 2010 when they beat number one Oklahoma, at least number one in the BCS, and you had college game day that day, and you had the the, the, the night game with John McGaffey running it back to start things off. 
uh, Brent Musburger on the call and you beat number one, there's no way you couldn't have fallen in love with that experience. Whether you like Missouri or not, you're experiencing at that time Big 12 football and beating number one team. You know, last year, even with the loss to Georgia, number one team in the country, defending national champion. Night game. That's those don't happen at eleven o'clock. And the biggest thing is with the two biggest metropolitan areas being approximately two hours away from Columbia and I seventy being a bitch to travel on, at least for now. I know they're putting some money into expanding it. Point being, if you wanted a full college atmosphere, it behooves the program for games to start at two thirty or later. Eleven o'clock kills the interest level from the casual fan, especially the may have children, and goes. Ah, I'm not going to get up at 6 and drive down there and then 11 o'clock. I'm just telling you. So the more success means the less 11 o'clock starts. So I think with the way the schedule sets up and the 18 returning starters and what I think will be a carryover of the defense from last year, that they should be in a position to have a good start to the season, which will lead to increased interest. Many of you are listening to this right now and have zero interest, and I understand. Either you don't like college football, you like Illinois, you might like another school. But locally, it would be wonderful to add another team to the sports calendar that aren't just Cardinals, Blues, and City. And I think Missouri football as an SEC program could be that. And I think Illinois is going to have a big year, by the way, yep. in part for the same reason. Their schedule lends itself to it. Now, Missouri's schedule gets really tough in the, after yeah, uh, that month. Yeah, well, I mean, still, I mean, you got LSU coming to town on October 7th. Yeah. And then you disregard the Wildcats and Beamer Ball. And that's fine. That's fine, but I mean, it's not the, the wild point being, It's tough. Not the Wildcats. I you disregard know. Beaver Ball, though. Historically, the Tigers have had right, the Gamecocks number. I'm just telling you they're high on them, Beamer Bowl in Columbia, South Carolina. Either way, point being, it's going to be a test, but have some wins piled up. Get out of the 11 o'clock time slot and build some momentum. That's what I'm saying. So that's where I am. My excitement level is a 10. Yeah, me too, man. Where are you at on the uh, opener, the back-to-back years now, Thursday night opener? I'm kind of a fan. Kind of a, um, I guess I don't mind. I mean, assuming you're playing that kind of thing, right? Well, I mean, it's I hope that stuff comes to an end with college football. I think going more to an NFL style. Sure, this crap will be over. You know, right? Like it's like the NFL preseason where you're playing yeah, games that don't really is. matter. So what? It doesn't matter. I'll watch it. We'll come in the next day and not go. Well, you know, they won by 38 points. Not really much to gauge, right? But you get to see. You'll get. We'll get to see probably the most Sam Horn we've ever seen in the Missouri Tiger uniform. You want to see the deep ball? That's what you want to see. I just want to see what he can do. He's a four-star All-American. There was a famous video of him throwing to Luther Bird in the All-American game, like a 45-yard dot right to him. Dot, so dot. yeah. So I think that. You know, I'd like to see it, and I think that's a great opportunity. I just like the Thursday night game because it gets away. Like Otherwise, that's an 11 a.m. start on a Saturday morning in Columbia, and I'd prefer the Thursday night game, even if I won't be I there for it. You know, it's a, I just think it's a better viewing experience to watch at night rather than in the a.m. slot. All right, 10-16 in St. Louis. Jackson says, maybe the question that was the lead was question number two, and it deals with Mason Wynn. That's coming your way next. You are listening to the Little Piddles Angry Beaver Six Shooter here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and old Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love this six-shooter. Don't you? I do. Well, it's Friday. It's a beautiful day in St. Louis. The weather is just optimal. You know, I mean, I, I, I love the fall weather. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fall, per se, because it's it means we're on the threshold of being inside 
cellulite being packed on, all due respect. And that brings me down. But in this moment, and then September and October, first half of October, it is glorious college oh, football. So blue start up. Usually you have the Cardinals in the playoffs. But alas, not this year. I'm sure I'll degen on some uh, NFL. Well, I'm in that circuit contest. Yeah, I got absolutely. my proxy out there running games for me. Hell yeah. So, yeah. I am I am kind of, I hear where you're coming from, but I, I love the fall weather you don't, you so don't have much. To, you don't have to put disclaimers out now that you got now that you and Rivers are this alliance. I got to form an alliance. Maybe well, I'm going to get Tanner on my team. Well, I like your rationale because, yeah, the winter is coming and it's like, ah, this weather feels it but that when you wake up in the morning that's that crisp air it's that air that you it's just kind of goes right into your nostrils and you can feel the freshness of it there's nothing truly like it and after a a a summer full of hot days i'm not opposed to a day in the 60s not opposed to a day in the 50s all right high 40s i'll take it now limits ball striking for sure but some about that you have a simulator at your place you have two simulators which is weird because you have one for your short game and one for your yeah. Your 140 yard seven iron. Well, the big thing this summer was putting in the putt lab so that we can change up the undulations a little bit. I was tired of oh, just that mat. Lab. So the putt lab we just put in, really right. going to try nice to shave off two, three strokes. And you are getting a chance to play today because you feel like the conditions weren't optimal. All I mean, right now is like the prime of golf courses. After three months of heat and some wetness after this month. Courses are pure as day, and when you got weather like this, you got to go out there. Jackson will be out there playing today, and then uh, he's a bachelor, and will be out uh, both nights this weekend. But I'm sorry, ladies, he'll be in Las Vegas next week, so out of pocket. Yeah, yeah, get it, get at me now. <laughs> the opportunity is is fresh and right in front of you. Alas, it's time to talk Mason Wynn. Let's do it, Tim. Mason Wynn, welcome to the big leagues, young fella. Nice. Even though I think I'm like three years older than him. (laughs) Um, While the Cardinals season is about as lame duck as we have seen since the turn of the century, it is exciting to see what could be a cornerstone player. I agree with it. If we see early success out of the win camp, do you think that that will change the Cardinals offseason approach or vice versa? If he isn't as effective coming out of the gates, do you think it changes anything? Or do you think anything he could do in this month and a half will change any plans going forward? Assuming he does not experience an injury that would take him out for 2024, he is the starting shortstop. Would agree. Uh, I would say third base, and I guess they're not trading Goldschmidt. I don't know. Uh, assuming that he, they're not trading Goldschmidt based on not trading him two weeks ago uh, means that three of your four spots are established and maybe they're going, okay, Nolan Gorman is going to be a trade piece for a pitcher. He's got a back problem at 23. Yeah. That's something to keep yeah. an eye on, I yeah. would say. I don't yeah, I don't know. But my point is, it's going to be fun to watch him play and I think he is the shortstop no matter what. So I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but I think he's the shortstop no matter what next year and assuming he doesn't experience a big injury, He's the shortstop no matter what. That's where I am. What are your thoughts? Fine, sir. I think with the position that he's going to be in when he gets called up right now, a month and a half left to go in a season that really, they're not really in it. There's not much that he could do, good or bad, that would really change his status for next year or change the offseason plans at all. I don't think. I think it would just be really like a a great sign if his back can come out early. Because, I mean, for at spring training, we we said, like, his glove is certainly ready for the major league level. 
Absolutely. It's just his bat needs to catch up with it. And so far this year in AAA, man, he has been electric yeah. all I'm, over the field. I, uh, you know, if last night I found myself and I was like, oh, I'm watching intently the Cardinal game because it was scoreless and Wainwright was pitching well and then, yeah. you know, the Alonzo, and I was, that wasn't like a bad pitch, Alonzo kind of low outside part of the zone and he hits it to dead center. But I was engaged because I'm like, oh, this is great. Wainwright is pitching well. Maybe they can win. And there's old Jose Quintana out-dueling them. Uh, so they lose. But with my point being, this will give me incentive to watch intently, at the very least, his at-bats. So I'm looking for... So tonight, I will be making sure I'm watching his at-bats in particular, his play in the field. And that's exciting. I mean, the shame of the situation is, at the moment... At the moment, Ben Fredrickson wrote about Aaron Noel and the Cardinals today. Uh, at least that's who the Cardinals should per- pursue, not saying anything's happening there. He's you know under contract with a team that's trying to make a run in the postseason. But uh, I just feel like with the pitching status, it's going to be awfully difficult for this team to be a championship contender. This team winning the National League Central, that's in play next year. But a championship contender, unless they just go out of character. But as I said yesterday... With both the 20 offseason as 1920 offseason into 20 and last year's offseason, I've sat on the radio and podcasts on TMA and now on 101 ESPN going, I'm anxious to really see what they do with the offseason. I'm anxious to really see what the trade deadline, and more often than not, it's super conservative. And so for me to picture this organization going, I don't want to say all in because I don't like that phrase, but being really aggressive, it would be counter to what they've been. But maybe that's what they're going to do. Maybe they will do it. I just don't have the expectations anymore because I feel like I have been let down. Sure. And I, I'm i intrigued to see, but as I said, we have a cycle around here. Well, we didn't do this in the offseason, but that allows us some flexibility at the trade deadline. Well, we didn't do this at the trade deadline, but that allows us some flexibility in the offseason. And they keep uh, dry-humping us, for lack of a better term. Let's be honest here. Tim, would you agree that they're most proactive trade deadline in the past, let's say, five years was acquiring Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana yes, from last year. Yes, I would say that is without question. And then what we saw days later, the most attended baseball game at Bush Stadium when Jordan Montgomery faced the Yankees. Now, it would be disingenuous to say that was just because of the trade deadline. They're playing the Yankees who hadn't come to town. And, and Aaron Judge is yeah. on the pace that he's on. Right, but it's it would be crazy to also say that Cardinal fans don't react well, ignited, extremely positively. Ignited. It was, I remember, I mean, I wanted them to tend to the offense right? Uh, as well as the pitching, but I was pleased with that. I was a real fan of Montgomery. Absolutely. But, uh, by the way, I, I, in the back of my mind, I kind of wonder if there's a chance you see him back here. I would love to see that. But if they're going after Nola, I don't know. I don't know if they're going after Nola and Montgomery. It seems like a domino thing. Like if they can't make a deal right. with Nola, then maybe they change pace and go with Montgomery. And so with that, with that all said, uh, I, I think fans are looking for a reason to buy in. Now, hey, they went out and spent a bunch of money on Wilson Contreras, and that move at the time had ninety-five plus percent approval rating. The Dexter Fowler move had, and the moment, many of you may deny it now. But it was 90 plus percent approval rating in December of 16 when the move was made. Um, so I think fans like when the Cardinals go out and spend money, and they have, they've just spent it unfortunately uh, poorly. Yeah. And so this offseason, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how many pitchers they bring in. Point being, they have some young players along with the cornerstones in the infield that could bring them back offensively. I just think it's going to be very tough to build a championship starting rotation 
just completely in the off season yeah. when you're the St. Louis Cardinals and you've practiced business the way that you've practiced it, which is more on the conservative side. Jackson, do you have question three or is it not in front of you right now? It uh, is in front of you. It is in front of me. Yeah. Do we want to go to question three or we want to take a break? It's up to you. Up to you, baby. Uh, question three. Let's do it. MLS has doubled the subscriptions based on the arrival of Leo Messi. All Wonderful this- interview with Messi yesterday. Is that where you're going with this? Uh, no. Mm. I didn't see. Mm. Twelman interview Messi or? No, I interviewed Twelman, but I'm basically Messi. Okay. Yeah, I would say so. Thank you. Uh, at the same time, the Dogs, a.k.a. STL City SC, are in prime position to host a playoff game here in STL this fall. Do you think St. Louis will embrace the team and the league and become kind of the, the, the third, the tertiary sports team that people can get behind? Because so often we were used to playoff baseball in October, but now we're going to possibly see some playoff soccer. Do you think we're going to see that same energy we see at Bush Stadium come playoff time for the Dogs? It is a... Great opportunity, perfect storm situation for a city. Now, an organization in St. Louis will never say, oh, it's good that the Blues are out of it. It's good that the Cardinals are out of it. But, hey, you know what? That doesn't mean that you're wishing ill will. These are the, these are the cards they've been dealt, and it's beneficial. Just like you want good weather for when you have that game against Seattle toward the end of October, and if you do indeed host a playoff game. It is a perfect storm for a city. Because the Cardinals will not be playing in October and the Blues will be in the early portion of their schedule. And this is an opportunity to potentially host a playoff game and get people who were maybe not even paying attention back in March when things started up, paying attention and then seeing an atmosphere that even during the regular season is second to none from my perspective as far as regular season atmosphere goes in St. Louis sports. And potentially shock the world and, and go deep in these playoffs and, and make a run, as, as Taylor Twelman talks about every every Tuesday. And, and what I made reference to um, with Messi yesterday, he did an interview with ESPN, um, and he, you know, this is something, I think I talked a little bit about it with Taylor, maybe I was texting with him about it, or maybe we talked about it on on the show, but he was asked about, MLS being poised to reach the the level of competition that that is in you know in Europe and uh, now certainly they're spending money in, in Saudi Arabia and he said I think it has every opportunity to do so the gro- that growth depends a lot on the league it's an ideal moment to grow there are important competitions upcoming that will be played in this country uh, 2024 you have Copa America and then the World Cup in 2026 it's time for the league to make that leap and finish growing finish looking for what it's been seeking for a while everything is in place here to witness top level football because of the country the structure a bunch of things uh, I think that soccer in the US has grown a lot in the last year it's shown that in the results the United States men's national teams had lately it was a great squad in the World Cup too very competitive it held zone against every team it had on its slate it's getting closer and closer to the level of Mexican soccer this league cup demonstrated that there's no Mexican team in the final while you can question a lot of things the reality is that all matches were very close very competitive anybody can beat anybody else I get the sense that the same can happen in MLS it's a competitive one where anybody can win so with that all established, that's what I was kind of thinking. I mean, you got Messi, and I realize he's getting a big cut of the deal with sure. Apple as incentive to be here. But you've got him, and perhaps that and then opens the eyes. And it's not just Messi with Miami. Jordi Alba, right. Sergio it's, it's multiple people. But with that said, maybe that opens the eyes of other players. Go, God, I can go live in the United States, and I can be, you know, this is, this is a whole other situation here. So I... You know, if I'm buying stock, I'm buying up MLS stock. Here's my bold take, Tim. 
Oh, you're going to give a take but, in honor of Dan Orlovsky's 40th birthday. It's more of a prediction. Mm. By 2027, a year after the World Cup, we will consider the MLS the fifth major sport. We will consider it. We'll have five North major North American sports. In MLS I would love it if that fifth. were the case. I think it will be. You're going to have maybe around my age who got to grow up, and this is a big part of like TV network, we talk about sports business, where the English Premier League was on NBC Sports, and you could watch it every Saturday morning. Kids who grew up with that in their lives, who love soccer, on top of, I think there will be more European stars coming to play in, in the MLS and the World Cup in 2026. I think people are going to fully embrace it, and that's going to be the time where the push has gone through. Like the, They'll break the mold, and I think that... I think the MLS is in prime there position. Is. Put it in Predictionary. Jackson has submitted yeah. MLS will be considered the fifth major North American professional sports in 2027. 2027. There yeah, it is. So it's, it's booked for Predictionary in 2027. Uh, your thoughts on the topic are welcome. Air Comfort Service, tax line 314-399-9646. Get on in the, the YouTube. Uh, you, somebody said you look like the lead singer of The Fray. Oh, I love The Fray. All right. Well, there I you go. you got to be happy with that. I never knew that everything was falling through. Uh, Richard Clay says, quit calling them the dogs. No. Okay. Uh, Tom Summer says, Piddle's Army, supporters of a polite, wispy-haired boy. Yeah, that's that's actually the, it's on our crest. Uh, that is, that's on the crest? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Didn't know that was it's it. very polite. Uh, second half of the Little Piddles uh, six-shooter here brought to you by Angry Beaver. On Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota coming your way. 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon party driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson. He also is known as Piddles. And uh, for the first 20 months we were here, he was uh, sideways, candidly, with Jamie Rivers. And yesterday at around 11.52 in the TMA closet, he uh, formed an alliance with Jamie Rivers. And now I am the one looking for an ally, uh, and and there I have no takers. Yeah, I'm trying to have a comparison to like a, a hip hop beef that was squashed. And- I was gonna go with uh, Macho Man and Hulk Hogan, but you know, eventually they had a falling out. And was that on Saturday Night Main Event? Is that 89? Am I right on that? Where's my nurse? Does anybody I, see my I, nurse? I don't know the years, Tim. Nice, nice. Uh, I was gonna go Drake and Meek Mill. Hmm. Yeah. Fun. And then we were going to create a hit song together. Nice. Yeah. Real nice. Uh, so, yeah, Jackson and Jamie Rivers, now uh, now partners in crime. So keep an eye on that. It's something I'm keeping an eye on. I'm, I'm disenfranchised, candidly. I'm stunned by it. Maybe we do like a secondary hockey pod where it's like Jamie teaches Jackson the game. And I think that would be both educational and entertaining. All right. And isn't that what we're all striving for? To Amen. educate and to entertain. Amen. Yeah. That's why I watch a lot of uh, Reading Rainbow. Do you really watch Reading Rainbow? Oh, yeah, LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton. Reading Rainbow, Reading Rainbow. That's the, that is the definition of entertainment and education. Just like the Little Piddles Friday Six Shooter. Brought to you by Angry Beaver. Question four. Let's do it, Tim. Question four. I have a big picture sports culture question. Oh, I like a good big picture. I think Perfect we'll, way to go on the weekend. Where are you on rivalries in sports. For example, Mizzou, Kansas. When looking at it from a bird's eye view, it would make little to no sense that I have any disdain for Kansas. Having said that, I think it is more fun to buy into the game and play the role of a hashtag true son than despise Kansas. Is it somewhat childish? Maybe. But I find it makes more makes me more invested into the game and day-to-day discourse around the sport. Where are you on this topic? Are you on board with fully embracing rivalries? What are... 
what is a non-traditional rival to the Cardinals, Blues, Mizzou, Illinois, SLU, or the St. Louis Rams from days gone by that you find yourself having disdain for? Like a non, let's say the, the Brewers in 2011 or Reds in 2010. Andrew Morgan. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, let's start with question number one. I do fully embrace rivalries, but with regards to your comment on Rock Chalk, uh, an observation many in St. Louis can relate to uh, the Cubs, and I'm sure there are some Cubs fans who are in the St. Louis area if they grew up in Southern Illinois where they kind of have the dividing line. Um, but I don't have ill will towards either one. What I would say is in 2003, when the Cardinals and Cubs were doing battle, and you had Tony La Russa and Dusty Baker, and both teams were throwing at each other, that was great because you felt like the rivalry was there on the field and between the managers. So it added to it. Then it was like, this is outstanding. Right. Meanwhile, in 2004 and 2005, the Cardinals played the Astros, but even the players would say it's a, like a respectful rivalry. But in 2003, with Dusty Baker and Tony LaRusso, there was no. I remember interviewing Jeff Acero in the clubhouse after the game. He was on the Cardinals. And I, if I'm not mistaken, he got into trouble because he just flat out said, yeah, I threw at him. Because, you know, people know they're throwing at guys. Right, for sure. See Miles Michaelis. But then, yeah, like, usually do the, well, I got to deny it thing. And Facero just goes, yeah, I threw at him. I think that's what happened. Either way, um, that was great. I like that kind of stuff. I like when, you know, it was unfortunate that it went down the way it did because it took Jordan Bennington out of the series. But there was some real intensity with the Blues and the Avalanche last year in, what, game three, right? When, yeah, the first Blues game at home against right, right, the Avalanche right. uh, when Bennington got run uh, by Kadri and then the Blues, you know, had already had history with him uh, before. So I like that kind of stuff. I, I Missouri-Kansas was not about Missouri-Kansas in 2007. It was about holy crap, these two usual doormats are playing to be number one in the country, but it's at Arrowhead Stadium, a world-class football venue. Absolutely. And they are longtime rivals. So then it added to it. I think if Missouri were playing Texas Tech to be number one in the country in 2007, it wouldn't have had near the anticipation that it did, nor the nostalgia that it has for Missouri fans and, and then Kansas fans spin it. Well, we went to the Orange Bowl, and I'm like, yeah, but you lost. You didn't go to the national championship because you lost to Missouri. It's such, a, it's such an odd flex. Yeah. Point being, I enjoy rivalries, uh, and I look at some of these in, in recent years as uh, some of the best sporting events because that adds to the energy of the event. Yeah, so what it sounds like to me is that you like organic rivalries more 100%. so than like mainstays, you know, stuff that's 100%. like just kind of ingrained. But back in the day, like the Rams hated the Saints and the Saints hated the Rams. This is probably pre, I mean, you were around, but you were too young, and that was Jim Hazlitt, and he got the Rams. He got Martz and he got the Rams, and Hazlitt wound up coming here and coaching temporarily anyway. Um, and the Cardinals have had, I mean, the Cardinals have had a rivalry with really every team in the division, including the Pirates. It was very brief with the Pirates, but they played each other in the postseason in 13 at a really yeah. good series. Yeah. Certainly with the Reds and that fight and uh, Jason LaRue getting the kick. Brutal. Um, and obviously the Cubs. And before the Astros went to the AL West, they were in the Central and they did a lot of battle there. So, uh, yeah, I, I like when they're organic. It's good entertainment. It adds to it. And that's why I feel like over the course of a seven-game NHL Stanley Cup playoff series, that's what you have. You have an organic 
rivalry, a player you probably didn't know about before, didn't maybe you were aware of him, but didn't think of him, you begin to hate him by game two. Yeah. Yeah. And so like for, for blues fans, you know, I don't know how, what your feelings were on the Bruins. It was a really good series. Maybe the Krug hit on Thomas or maybe Marchand. you're more mad at Krug now than you were then. But for me, one of the, the best visions of 2019 were, uh, what is it, Thornton Burns and Carlson sitting there smugly after the hand pass game. Yeah. And I'm like, I could be wrong, but Craig Berube walked into that, that locker room afterwards and told those guys, we're clearly the better, better team. Do not worry about this. Don't let this beat you. Because if you do, they're going to win the series, and they don't deserve to win the series. And they didn't lose another game. And they beat the crap out of them in Game 6 in St. Louis. That was a brilliant, from my standpoint, brilliant, because you watched all the post game and nobody was even talking about the hand pass, and Bruby dismissed it. And meanwhile, those guys were three you know, guys laughing about it up yeah, there. Yeah. I'm like, I think they're making a mistake. And I would have said the same thing if the Blues were laughing about it. Yeah. So you, you begin, like, you know, who had anything against Carlson, you know, or Burns or Thornton going into that series? But after that, it's like, oh, man, those dudes. Right. So I like when it, 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 and it comes up more often than not organically in a series. Going back, for those of you old enough, Jeffrey Leonard, 1987 NLCS, he's the one who would run around the bases with one flap down. Bob Forsh had enough, hit him, Cardinals go and win the series. That's the kind of stuff I like. I don't like it contrived on Twitter by some 21-year-old intern trying to get likes. That isn't my game. I like organic stuff. So, yeah. Where are you? Watch me freestyle a question real quick. Oh, my God. Mount Rushmore. Oh, boy. Uh, wow. Mount, so, you're going to do Mount Rushmore on Sports Talk Radio. Yeah. Bold. Um, Brave. <laughs> Mount Rushmore of sports villains in St. Louis in the 21st century. Ah! I think I got three right at the top. Stan Kroenke. Is George Washington? I'll, I'll, let's let's keep it to players because yeah, that would be obvious. That okay. would be yeah. That's, All right, go. I would think Niger Morgan. Uh, I would think that uh, Marchand, maybe Brad Marchand. No. Okay. Um, is that was that one of your top three? Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips. That's live. Even though they squashed that beef and. I feel like Morgan was like a month, and he was yeah. a role player. That's why Chris Carpenter, if I'm not mistaken, he, he said, like, I guess I'm not really going to get worked up about one of their bench players. <laughs> yeah, but he was out there like, like I just, I loved that. I thought that was a really fun time. Oh, it was great time. entertainment, and the tweet was uh, the Cardinals will be at home watching us, and then yeah. the Cardinals will go and beat them. Yeah, that's what I'm talking Like, that's so good. Oh, that was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, I want to say, like, uh, it's a Rams one, but like, and it probably won't resonate, but I'm going to say it anyways. Golden Tate. Caught a, t- a streaking touchdown and gave the peace or wave goodbye. I don't know. I I didn't like that. That that smirk usually doesn't mean you're on board with it. And uh, <laughs> I'm just surprised to hear Marshawn and Golden Tate. What about Dusty Baker? Well, I'll we'll, we'll try to keep it to players. Quayo, Giant Quayo. I don't know. I think Brandon Phillips is a really good play. Yeah. If we're struggling, I got to think of somebody. Duncan who- Keith. That's a live one, the Seabrook-Key thing. I feel like I'm missing something from the earlier part of the decade, and I know you were a tyke. I wanted a little credit for knowing who Duncan Keith was. Yeah. You know what? (laughs) You need to stop the game and and call out the friends and family of Jackson. Yeah, everyone was just like, where did that come from? Did did my writer text you? No, it's it's weird. My memory Or your new alliance with Jamie Rivers, did he text you? I have very little room for hockey knowledge in my memory, and so that's like one of the few pieces that has real estate. Tim, throw something at him, please. Doesn't sound like the... Don't throw anything at him. Usually I throw it over that direction. I'm trying to think football from like the earlier, but like I wasn't... Kadri's a nice play. Yeah. 
Uh, David Ortiz. I don't know if people really. Carlos Zambrano. That's kind of a nice play. Yeah. I, I mean, Phillips was a that was a good long standing one, yeah. and it was legit. I bet Yadier Molina's on a number of teams in the Central's list. Might be on everybody in the Central's oh, list. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what I'm saying. He was like Pronger kind of had that when he was with the Blues. You loved him if he was on your team. You hated him if he wasn't. That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, people are doing some good work here. Joe Horn is a nice play. We're going back. Mike Ricci was hated in that series in 2000. That's a nice play. Uh, people are sending in some good ones here. Uh, some are going predating 21st century. Yeah, please keep it. Taves parameters. is a good play. That's a good play. Belfort predates 21st century. Well, I'm trying to think of any like the the villain. I th- I think I mean I'm, I'm going to say Phillips and Kadri. I think those I think those carry over because it wasn't just like like Nigel Morgan was a month and a half and it was great. Yeah. And the result made it even more amusing. For sure. You know. For sure. But Kadri had two postseasons of it, and he's got the reputation as it is. Baruby and then then that Baruby all of a sudden got labeled a bigot. That was such. Garbage! It crap pisses me off, uh, and uh, and and Brandon Phillips is a really nice play. Yeah, and Yadier Molina when he did the little shin pad tap, yeah, he was like, nah. he immediately wasn't yeah, going to go for I it. Loved, See, I love that. That crap. was the greatest. That was I love the, that crap. When Yadier, I think Zambrano's a nice play. Yeah, I, you have to go back a little bit, but I mean the Cubs were good then too. They had Soriano and Derek Lee. And Chris them. Bryant and his boring comment. Uh, that was like so. That was like trying to become a villain. Like, I don't think you should yeah. try. Like, it just kind of has to happen. That was like, okay. Cueto's nice. live. Yeah. Cueto would... Taves if, is live. Steve Smith of the Panthers. I mean, all he did was just... Yeah. Roast. Jason Seahorn. Right. When where was his jock draft, Tim? Emblazoned at the 47-yard line. <laughs> emblazoned. God almighty. So. I don't know if I've ever walked out of a football game more frustrated. I still cite that game. I got a break, I assume. 1051. Yeah. We have another one, right? Yeah, we do. Hell, I don't know. Uh, let's see. 2014 NLCS. I don't know what was going on Str- strategically. For sure. From the Cardinal thing. 2013 SEC Championship game. <laughs> I, I never, never will get an answer as to what was going on defensively for Missouri. HB Dive was the play. Was uh, and 2000, it was January 2004 against the Panthers. And Mike Martz sitting on the ball to go overtime when the Panthers were gassed, and it was it was just time to wrap her on up, and they kicked a field goal. And I know the guys on the team were stunned and pissed. There's yeah. a shot of Tory Holt arguing with Martz on the sideline while that's going on. Those are my three St. Louis sports strategy in the moment. In the moment. Not like, oh yeah, I read Bernie's column and now I agree thing. No. In the moment, I'm on the field at that game. I'm in the building at the Georgia Dome. Uh, I wasn't in San Francisco, but I was watching that game going, oh, my God, you know, Oscar Tavares is playing catcher. Like the, the ninth <laughs> inning, there were guys just everywhere. Oh, God, there's Michael Walkie. He hasn't pitched in a month and a half. Oh, he gave up a you know, game-winning home run. Who would have thought? I don't know. I got to, you know, but that's, that's three. I need a Mount Rushmore. What is my fourth? Of strategy? Strategy, St. Louis, 21st century, so then we can include the youngs along with the olds. Is there any anything that stands out that we're... Nothing of the Rams because it was all like kind of. I mean, you could say pitching to David Ortiz in 2013 certainly was less yeah. than optimal. Yeah. Um, the Cardinals' strategy over the past five years. Yeah, well, that's too macro. Yeah. I'm looking for a specific game. Uh, I'll look in the text inbox during the break. We'll uh, take our final break. BK and Ferrario, top of the hour. This is Balloon Party driven by Mungadass, St. Louis Hack here on Toyota. I want to wings. 
We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, this is it, Jackson. I mean, here we are. I have a quick hair for you on the final question. Yeah, I like that. What do we got? If you could be any fictional sports movie character, who would you be? Ah. If you could live their lives. I bet you have an answer, and that applies me time. Thomas Haywood, film Little Big League. was the manager oh. of the Twins, quits the job at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, but still owns the Twins because his grandfather gifted him. The great Jason Robarts gifted him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Parenthood. Played yep. Steve Martin's father in Parenthood, which was based in Kirkwood, Missouri, but shot in Florida. Yeah, I think he's most well known for all the president's men. Um, Philadelphia. Also great in that film. Mm. Love Jason Robarts. Uh, I'd be Jesus Shuttlesworth. Oh, that's a great call. That's such a good call, but I, Chase yeah, Lee, that Jill is fictional. Kelly. That is reason. fictional. This so that counts. What do you want me to do? Not be honest with you? Well, yeah. Would you like me to lie to you? No, I can't because it's honesty in media. Yeah, because like obviously, if like if it would be anybody, it'd be like Michael Jordan in Space Jam, but I have fictional. But yeah, Jesus Shuttlesworth falls into that category, even though he's portrayed by the great Ray Allen. That's Sugar right. Ray. 2013 game six. Yeah, uh, Bosch's rebound back out to Allen three pointer. Bang, Mike Breen. Great golfer too. Probably couldn't beat me. Ray or yeah. Mike Breen. Uh, Both Shuttlesworth. Yeah. Yeah, probably could beat you in a three-point contest, but... I had six threes in one quarter at St. James in uh, March of 1990. I I doubt he ever did that. Exactly. Bingo, Tim. Thank you so much. Well, there it is. I mean, can we tee it up any better for BK and Ferrario? Uh, I truly don't know how. Yeah, I mean, they can carry over the Shuttlesworth discussion. Uh, That is coming your way next. Jackson is going to hit the links. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go to work in a a coal mine. That's what I'm going to do because I'm a man of the people. Say hi to my boy, sweet, sweet guy. There you go. Uh, For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.